0: This time loop thing, how did you get out of it? Oh, I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord. Well, I... Doctor. No.
1: No, I'm afraid not. Now, obviously, the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. <laughs> and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world and I have to deal with them. I'm your host Molly Marsh. And I'm currently at Tottenham Court Road, just doing a little bit of shopping. I've just picked up some Sainsbury's Cheesy Bean Puff Pastry Slices. They're a delicacy I enjoy a lot. Um, And a Coca-Cola, of course. I'm just going to head home now, I think. Um, but last night, uh, I recorded a conversation over the phone uh, with Chris Chapman, who is a director, producer, documentarian, um, who has uh, produced and directed a whole bunch of uh, DVD extras, uh, documentaries, and such uh, for the Doctor Who DVD range uh, since way back in 2008, uh, and now um, does the same for the Blu ray range as well. So I. Um, there is an emergency vehicle passing by. Oh, an unmarked police car. I like it when you see one of those. You know that the shit has hit the fan. Um, Anyway, yes, I I, I got talking to Chris about his work on the DVD range and now the Blu-ray range. Had a little chat with him about his life as a Doctor Who fan as well, Um, and then we got into a little unpopular opinion conversation about story length and pacing from Doctor Who, which is something I've talked about a little bit on the show before, but it was nice to actually dissect it. Our conversation gets totally derailed by all sorts of um, subjects, and we end up far from where we began. become, but um, that's how I like it, as you know. Um, I just want to say a big thank you, actually, to everybody who shared my Crystal D episode from uh, two weeks ago Uh, it was amazing to get uh, such a response it's the biggest response I've had uh, for an episode of the podcast for sure a bit of wind Um, and it was amazing to know that so many people were listening it it flew up to being my most listened episode within four or five days Um, and obviously what Crystal had to say about her career uh, and particularly I think the treatment she's received online, I think that that hit a nerve with a lot of people in a positive way. Um, I'm so glad that we have somebody like Crystal in our community, and you are still in our community, Crystal, whether you like it or not. Uh, I'm so glad we have somebody like Crystal um, as an example of um, the way to behave uh, when people try and drag you down. Uh, but anyway, enough about Crystal. This week is about Chris. So without further ado, Here is my conversation with documentarian, director, producer Chris Chapman. I'm here with Chris Chapman, uh, director, producer, documentarian. Uh, How are you, Chris?
0: Hello, Molly. Yeah, I'm. I'm really good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm really looking forward to having a chat.
1: Yeah, no problem. Your um, your name was given to me by Chris Allen, actually. a month or two ago um he recommended loads of people in uh in our conversation i'm I'm yet to make my way through the whole list of people that he talked about but um your name popped out because you've sort of been present in my twitter feed a while with all the stuff you've been doing on the blu-ray box sets and um and such sure i I guess let's talk about that first of all um since it's so current um how did you get involved with that uh what's what's your kind of role on the blu-ray box sets
0: yeah, well, it's quite exciting times at the moment because there's, there's 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 so many of them to kind of to kind of get through. I guess we're kind of are we four releases in now? I've got four-
1: uh, yeah uh, four, I think yeah.
0: Yeah, so there are lots left uh, to go. But basically, I, I it's been quite nice for me because I I uh, started making Doctor Who documentaries back in about 2008, and that was when right, it was right. the video range and Dan Hall was in charge, and I I at that time. I was directing non-broadcast stuff. I was directing kind of uh, corporate things and uh, things for universities and so on uh, Mm. for a company up in the northeast called Dean Films. And we were doing quite, trying to be quite experimental and quite fun. So we'd get given a, a brief from a local education company to do something anti-bullying for, to be seen in schools. And I would write a whole drama about a school where conker fighting has been banned and it's gone underground, and 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 and, and they've they've got this kind of conker club in the basement, which you know was just an excuse to spoof a lot of movies that, that we liked. Uh, and it became a kind of powerball for kind of for. Uh, for bullying and kind of geeks fighting back. And we would make that kind of weird, quirky non-broadcast. And at the time I sent that to Dan Hall, that film, and he really liked it. And I said, well, I love Doctor Who and I'm making films for clients. Why can't you be my client? Why can't I make Doctor Who things? Um, And he said yes. And basically that led to about five or six, five years, I think, of us, of, of me directing through dean films uh documentaries for the dvd range and we kind of started off being pretty pretty i don't know if i can swear but pretty shit at the beginning where uh, we weren't great mm-hmm. and, and so we did uh the first couple we did we did one called time zones for the war games dvd which was about historical context of where the time uh, 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 of 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 where the doctor and friends kind of travel in time in that one mm-hmm. and we did one about the the links between the Deadly Assassin and the Manchurian Candidate, which there aren't that many links, but we tried to make a whole documentary about the links. And it talking <laughs> about four docs to get good, and we did a good one called Team Arato on Creature from the Pit. And then we did a big one, a mini series called Who Peter, about the links between Doctor Who and Blue Peter. And really, by that point, we'd figured out what we were doing. I'd I certainly figured out what I was doing. And, uh, and then it just became a lot of fun, really. We did a documentary called Looking for Peter, on the Sense Rights, where I worked with Toby Haydock, and then Toby and I worked together again on Living with Levine and Haydock versus Havoc. And at that yeah. point, the DVD range ended, and we thought, oh bugger, we've kind of we've just hit our form in terms of being a bit more adventurous about the scale of these things, the ambition of these things, and the the range is over. So I went off and I made uh, programmes for telly for CBBC for BBC One and Channel Four, kind of more presenter-led or observational stuff. And then Russell Minton and I worked together on the, the Doctor Who the fiftieth anniversary of the after party. Uh, I, I worked on I did all I did a lot of the VTs, a lot of the pre recorded films on the After Party, which I will defend as being really good. Uh, in 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 the midst of all the the crazy of the after party.
1: The mayhem, sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then and then when Russell was made exec Russell kind of basically fought for this Blu-ray collection to happen. And without Mm -hmm. Russell's passion, it it would not have happened. You know, The right people wouldn't have been convinced to do it. And when he got the green light to to re-release everything and not just to re-release it, but to to give it a a complete new lick of paint in terms of extras as well, Russell came back to me and said he'd like me to come back. uh,
1: Well, yeah, because it it would have been easy just to pretty much put all the DVDs out again as Blu-rays, wouldn't it? With the same packaging and the same special features and everything just on a blu-ray that would have been the the sort of natural thing to do i suppose
0: i think that would have been the automatic bbc approach would have been to say, mm. well we've already got these so what we really want is just box sets isn't it you know just to put those together maybe stick them on blu-ray to save space you know and yeah, put yeah. more into a, a two disc set becomes a one disc disc set but do we have to bother and, and i think it's people like russell saying judging the fan base correctly actually and saying i think people have bought this a few times <laughs> over their lifespans
1: you
0: know yeah and them to buy it again so it needs to be special again you know it needs to be special and i think it's great that people seem really excited about them at the moment and russell pushes for these trailers to get made to kind of announce the releases and we, we don't need to do that but i think it it creates a real buzz that people seem to be Feeling really positive. It seems like the collections are a really positive bit of Doctor Who fandom at the moment, which is lovely.
1: Definitely, definitely. I I find it so exciting watching all of. I mean, the latest one that, that Ben Cook made of the for the um, season ten collection. That yeah. trailer was extraordinary. I thought it was uh, it was so uh, uh, inventive. Um, but also the uh, the Trial of a Time Lord one that that um, uh, they just did for uh, with Colin Baker in the courtroom and everything. I thought that was so funny. Yeah, and Chris oh,
0: yeah. Allen's in that as well, isn't he? I mean, Chris yes, Edgington—he
1: has a cameo in that, Chris. Chris Allen, yeah. He,
0: he's uh, the Valyard in it, sort of, kind of. Yeah, but, yeah. No, I, I think, I think it's great, and I think it's, it's allowing people to maybe reappraise those seasons. Sure. And, uh, I was worried when we announced season twenty-four so early that people might be a bit sniffy about it because it's.
1: Do you mean season twenty-three?
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, that, that's not Freudian slip. That's just genuine. <laughs> when we announced season twenty-three. Uh, I thought people might be a bit sniffy and might because it's a you know it's a bit of a divisive,
1: mm.
0: marmitey kind of series. I love it because I it was the first memory I ever had of watching Doctor Who, so I'm sure. a bit. Uh, but but actually, the reaction to the news has been lovely, and people have just seemed really excited to see it again and watch it all on a run and and see the new stuff. So that's great. It feels really positive.
1: Well, I think all Doctor Who has the the sort of it, uh, all Doctor Who benefits from uh, from hindsight. I think and from and from aging, you know, <laughs> and especially from the the love of of the people that made it, I think you look at something like season twenty three and you look at colin it, it, somebody who's so passionate about it still and still so passionate about having been Doctor Who uh I think that's the kind of thing that that keeps the fans excited about uh seasons that are maybe not the most popular that's
0: um I think you're right as well. I think that there's so much pressure because Doctor Who fandom historically is such a paranoid beast and is so worried about cancellation and how's the show doing and how are the ratings and does my mum like it and all that, yeah. that, that, that. There's so much pressure on new Doctor Who, on, on, on the Doctor Who of this year that you're watching now being the best thing ever. And actually, when you're kind of 10 years, 20 years down the line, it doesn't have that pressure to be mm-hmm. great in the ratings or or whatever, because you know it survived and you know it was okay. So you can hopefully just enjoy it for what it is, I hope.
1: Definitely, definitely. Am I right in thinking that the, the Blu-ray uh, collections all have the existing special features and the DVDs on them as well? Yes, yes, yeah.
0: absolutely. Yeah. The, the aim is very much you, that you can throw away your DVDs, which, or in my case, actually, I I recently gave my, my other DVDs of the box set so far to uh to a young fan uh i've forgotten to said him but there's a wonderful artist called sophie on twitter who's quite mm. who's quite prominent and who who's just discovering uh the the old series really so i kind of handed on the dvds you know as opposed to throwing them away but i think i think our our aim is that you can you don't need to keep your dvds you know we're not expecting you to have everything up on the shelf so the intention is to port everything over and in many cases put them onto more suitable places. Like I was saying to Russell Minton recently that I, I did a Christopher Barry documentary, mm. uh, which is a creature from the pit, but we filmed it in Oldborn because that felt like the most nicest location for Chris to talk about his career. And actually I, I said to Russell, look, look, when we get around to season eight, you should, you should maybe think about moving that documentary onto the demons because it will feel far more at home there than it did on creature from the pit you know so we're trying Mm. to be a bit more strategic uh but hopefully everything will will kind of port over i I don't know there there might be one or two things that due to copyright or whatever in theory that we can't but i think the intention is to try and port everything over so you have a definitive collection
1: yeah that's so great because again it would have been so easy not to do that you know, yeah it would have been exactly. so easy just to put out the new extras and forget about the stuff that was on the uh, the DVDs and then fans who want all that stuff have got to keep all their DVDs somewhere and i think one of the things about this blu ray range to me it it really seems like the people behind it know what fans are like and know know what fan, <laughs> what makes fans tick and what they'll do you know um, yeah. And, yeah yeah i think
0: i think so and I, I i think that uh i think we just want it to be it, it's so rare that you can make TV for as specific an audience, as we get to make TV for. You know, normally if you're making something for, for for BBC One or Channel Four, you're thinking, I want to make it work for all sorts of different people and so on. So it can't be too niche, it can't be too geeky. But with these, we can actually say, look, we know who our audience are, and we can make it just for them. So the fact that we've got a we we got paid to make a mm. documentary for season twenty three about the Doctor Who cookbook, and we got. <laughs> The production values of a broadcast teleprogramme is is nuts, is insane. Uh, but I love that that's possible. I love that that you know the the freedom of that being possible is kind of mad and lovely. Uh, and we want to keep that freedom. I think going through the whole thing that that it is very much made yeah. for us, for you, for us, for all of us.
1: Is it ever difficult? Um, obviously, with such a wealth of information out there about Doctor Who and especially the classic series. And such a wealth of of kind of um, uh, criticism uh, being put out yeah. in books and t- TV shows and everything, is it hard to say something new sometimes in documentaries about Doctor Who?
0: I think I think you always need to be aware of that. Absolutely, and you don't want to repeat yourself or other people if you can help it. I think mm-hmm. it's what we really try and do is to look at what was on the DVD, or what were on the DVDs for that particular series, and think, well, has that been done? Okay, well, if that's been done, what else can we do? And season 23 is a good example because the DVD box set of that of, of Trial of a Time Lord is really comprehensive. You know, is, it was one of the definitive ones at the time. And every story's got a good making of. And also there's a big uh, Ed Stradling did his big trials and tribulation doc, which is a great doc and really tells that behind the scenes story of what was happening in the production office with Eric and, and JNT and and everything. So we kind of looked at it and said, well, uh, we, we you know, there's no point in telling those stories again. You know, there's no point in trying to do that again. So, uh, and I thought with trial, actually, so much of that box set is mired in—not in a bad way—it's realistic that it's mired in uh, the misery that a lot of people on the production team were going through at that time. You know, for mm. Collins, mm. his last season, for John Nathan Turner, it was like the worst year of his life, and you know, and 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 he was leaving the show, and and I just thought, actually, maybe we can offset that. You know, counter, counter counterpoint that with the fact that for a lot of audience members, myself included, there's a lot of joy to that season. So let's do something joyous in the extras to balance with the <laughs> the realistic misery that we already have on on the, from the DVDs. So so something like the cookbook comes out of that of saying, you know, let's do something without the pressure of telling the behind-the-scenes story of what happened. What can we do that will spin off and mm-hmm. give a different emotion and feel? like a contrast, you know, when you're watching it, that it's not all, oh, blind, you're not another thing about uh, the making of mysterious planet or whatever. So that's nice.
1: Yes, and I suppose that the uh, the uh, sort of goggle box behind the sofa feature is yeah. in line with that as well. I've, I find those. I've seen a few of those. I don't actually own a lot of the Blu-rays because I don't have a Blu-ray player and I don't have a television. But um, <laughs> my dad has all of them. So when yeah. I go home, I get to see bits and bobs. And he's. I mean, my dad's the kind of person who will well, even with the DVDs, he would put them on and he would watch everything. You know, even when he buys a film. I remember when I was little, he would put the he put the Godfather on. Yes. An afternoon, and then he would watch everything, every featurette, you know. Yeah, and he'd put it then he'd watch it again with the commentary, and I, I think that's so great. Um, but yeah, I've just caught bits of it, and it's those, those behind the sofa things were shown little bits of them have been shown at the screenings as well. Yeah, and I've really enjoyed them. And the Matthew Sweet interviews are so wonderful as well.
0: Yeah, oh, that's yeah. Great. it's great, and hopefully, there's a real diversity of stuff. And it's interesting you mentioned yeah. he's like the godfather because the, the, the shame, the real shame is that industry-wide you know that that idea of dvd extras blu-ray extras is mostly kind of dwindling and dying you know and those mm. kind of heady mm. days of the early naughty of the late 90s early well, kind of 99 to i guess kind of 2005 or so the dvd massive and you'd get the lord of the rings extended edition and it would have <laughs> like 15 hours of stuff on it and so on.
1: yeah a ludicrous uh, amount
0: it, it's amazing and i, I and I would gobble that up. And unfortunately, now I think um, certainly American studios have decided that people don't really like DVD extras. So when you watch a movie now, unless the filmmakers are really into that idea, like an Edgar Wright kind of figure where they mm. want to give extra stuff, yeah. then it won't happen. So we're quite lucky as well that Doctor Who fans are still are still very loud about wanting that kind of extra insight and information. But it's not. A-
1: it's it's a real shame that we seem to be losing that i i mean just one example i suppose is that um the 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 series one to four new Who box sets have commentaries for every single um episode of, with with cast or crew or whatever and then when you get to series five, which is sort of released in 2010 twenty ten twenty eleven there is commentaries for like a third of the stories and then yeah. the commentaries start to disappear as the as the releases go on and I think it's such a shame you know. It's something so simple as a commentary. It's just as simple as recording this, just putting a, a mic in a room. And
0: yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and it's I can only imagine it's hard for those guys because making the show is so hard. And then you yeah, think, of course, of course. of that, we want you to do extra stuff. But it, it's amazing that Russell and the team... Managed to put so much into those DVDs in in, in into the first four or five box sets. You know, I mean, the-
1: it's astonishing because they used to do two commentaries. Because there would there would be the podcast commentary that was released as the as the show oh. went out, and then you put the commentary of the episode that was on the DVD box set as well. I mean, it's astonishing that they ever had time to sleep or eat or do anything else. Really <laughs> and then that they,
0: the five Doctors commentary as well. You know, they come back and do like one of the classic series as well. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's not it's so it, it's. It's not normal, but again, it's something that Doctor Who seems to hopefully inspire. I, I, I'd love to see the new series do more of that. I'd also love to one day see us get a chance on the collections to kind of look at the new series, because I'm I'm very much a believer in it. it's all one big show.
1: Oh, um, yeah, I would love for those box sets to stand side by side. You've got one with Christopher Eccleston on and one with Peter yeah. Capaldi on. And,
0: oh, I'd that'd be amazing. It. I'd, I'd, I'd love it. And, and the, the big question, I guess, would be whether we're far enough away to be a little bit more candid about things, I'm sure we, we'd be more candid than confidential had to be.
1: Um, yeah, yeah.
0: But I guess it's just in kind a of judging, judging the right balance on that. But I think the nice thing about the collection, the way I would picture it, is that it comes from such a place of love that you're never looking to string something up or, or find a scandal. You're kind of you, you, you want to understand it better. You do that with absolute affection for how it's yeah, been. Definitely. Definitely. So maybe, yeah,
1: you're not you're not trying to provoke any, uh, you know, you're you're not yeah you're not trying to provoke any controversy at all.
0: Um, no, you're not trying to ruin anybody's rush. laugh or, or yeah. anything like <laughs> that. You know, you're not trying to do anything like that. And 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 I hope I mean we've got plenty of of of, of the original run to get on with, so we're not in any rush. But I'd I'd love us to do that one day. And I think I think the genuine truth is that, is that we don't know yet. Uh, but I think everybody involved would love to do that.
1: Great. Should we move on to you then? Should we talk about how you got into Doctor Who and and sort of the genesis of, of you being a Doctor Who fan? How that all happened?
0: Yeah. Well, I I guess I'm I'm kind of an in betweener, probably. I guess
1: if you've got your classic- I love I love to talk to an in betweener.
0: I'm an in. No, I definitely am uh, because uh, I my first memory of Doctor Who uh, is in 1986 when I have very vague childhood memories of watching bits of trial of a time lord so i don't remember being i don't remember uh i just remember bits from it so i always would say that i remembered the doctor and perry walking through a rainy like a a a a, a rainy forest and then going downstairs into a london underground and then perry's there and she's bald and the doctor shoots her in the head (laughs) and and so somehow i've combined memories of mysterious planet and mind warp into one thing Uh, Mm -hmm. and i also really remembered a couple of the cliffhangers from vervoids like particularly the lady with the half vervoid face from episode 2 i really remembered but i wasn't watching it as a fan i think i just you know i just absorbed it as a as a, a five year old really, that. as a four or five year old um uh,
1: at that age it's it is always images it's always images that yeah. children take in and and what something doctor who is so good at is is presenting us with terrifying and strange and wonderful imagery uh little things like the bald perry and and that half vervoid face you described; those are the kind th- th- kinds of things that stuck in your mind. And you know, yeah. uh, you don't you you're not remembering the the courtroom scenes, for example.
0: No, no, I, 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 no You're right. I have no memories of the valleyard or the Knackers Yard or anything like that. I don't remember any of that stuff. And and you're right. It, I mean, I always had from the very beginning a real love for cliffhangers. And I always mm. think that cliffhangers are the great unsung hero of Doctor Who, are the thing that that when we don't have cliffhangers, I get a bit sad. Um, and we
1: don't get them so much anymore, do we? With no. the, I mean, especially now that we don't tend to even see two parters anymore. Um, no. It means that we've and kind I, of lost the cliffhanger a bit.
0: And I kind of get the whole single parter thing, but it, I, part of me does really miss cliffhangers. And, 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 and it was, uh, weirdly enough, I have no memories from season 24. Uh, and then uh, really profound memories of watching Remembrance of the Daleks and loving it. Like remembrance was the thing that kind of made me a fan, really. Mm-hmm. And it would have been uh seven years old. And everybody says the show was dead by that point. But we went into school and we played it. You know, we were in the playground and somebody was pretending to be Ace and had a fake baseball bat and was bashing somebody who was pretending to be a Dalek and somebody to be the Doctor. And we were acting out uh Ben Aronovich's script. And 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 so that whole era of, of Doctor Who kind of the, the McCoy era when it was getting trounced by Corey every week, uh, was mm. for my point of view, I thought it was the biggest show on telly because nobody had uh, told me otherwise. You know, nobody had said yeah. oh, it's the show in, in, in bad health. I just thought it was great. I thought it was wonderful. Well, I'm
1: no surprise that Remembrance of the Daleks had that impact on you. And it's yeah. funny because it's one of those stories where you can imagine that if there was the right higher up at the BBC watching that story in yeah. a, a, across those four weeks. Then you know who knows what would have happened. You know, versus somebody watching Warriors of the Deep and thinking, "Well, this show's no good." It, it... I, don't think,
0: yeah, I think you're right. I, don't, I don't think they were watching by 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 eighty-eight. I don't think but they if were. They, if
1: they had been watching, Remembers of the Daleks. That yeah. is the kind of story that were, that would really open so as it did you, as it opened a child's eyes. I think it was actually it's one of those stories that adults watching go, "Oh wow, maybe this isn't so bad after all." Because it's got I... it's got special effects. It's got the scene in the cafe with the doctor doing some good acting. It's got. A great story. It's got Daleks, It's just yeah. It's got it's got everything.
0: I thought it was I thought it was wonderful, and I had really fond memories then of Silver Nemesis and and kind of the catapulting the Cybermen with coins and and the, the clowns, clown <laughs> really scary and greatest show. And yeah. then and then the next year I I kind of watched Survival and I and I loved Survival and the episode two cliffhanger to Survival when Ace when the Doctor realises he's going to have to wait for one of his friends to turn to be turned into an alien in order to take advantage of that and survive and get back to earth. And then his best friend in the world, then Ace turns around and she's been converted. Mm. I just thought it was the escape that like, gave me nightmares for weeks. So I found it really, really profoundly that the knowledge that he was then going to have to use her, you know, in mm. order to despite something awful happening. to, her. And then and I missed episode three. Uh, we were off doing a family thing and I missed it and I, we couldn't tape it. No, and then,
1: you missed so- the last ever one.
0: I missed it and then it didn't come back and I, I was waiting <laughs> for the series and I didn't get the magazine or anything but I just didn't know I was like oh, oh okay painful. so when's, when's it back when's it back no because they wasn't. never
1: announced anything officially no
0: they just the said time, it was on like, they
1: they day. just sort of let it yeah let it go quietly
0: it's having a nice rest it's having a sit down and it'll be yeah. back and it, and it wasn't it's having back. a sit
1: down and... for 16 years, <laughs> 16 oh, years. It. it briefly got up in 1996 <laughs> and it sat back down again for the next uh nine years
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, so, so 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 I became very much a die a proper proper fan. If, yeah. if there was thing in the nineties when, BBC Two did a whole load of repeats in about ninety two, ninety three, and I watched my first they I showed the Time Meddler. So I saw Hartnell and then the Mind mm. Robber, for Trout and the Sea Devils and the Demons for Pertwee. So that was my first exposure to all of them, and then I started buying the videos, and then was the most excited person in the world for when the Paul McGann movie came out, and I kept all the cuttings from the Radio Times and newspapers. And I watched it, and then watched it immediately again on the. I refused to buy it on the video the week before. I was mm. watching it live or not at all. And then, and then that didn't come back. And I was waiting for that to come back, and it didn't come back. Uh, and then I. I
1: suppose back then there wasn't the, that immediate access to information like that. Nowadays you just Google Doctor Who axed, and then you would find some article on Digital Spy about it. But uh, back then you couldn't. That that information wasn't so quickly at your fingertips, uh, I suppose.
0: It was just silence. And yeah, you, you, yeah. I'd get to Doctor Who magazine to tell me. So I'd have to wait a month and then I'd pick it up and they'd be like, no news as yet. And then I'd have to wait another month <laughs> to yeah. know if there'd been any news that time. And, and I yeah, think then painful. I kind of, I, I went to Union kind of, as many people did, I kind of drifted away from it a bit until it came, until the news came in like 2003, four, that it was coming back. And then I was just so happy, you know, and I, I revisited a lot of the old ones around that time. In the up to that, and, and I loved the new series, and I completely fell in love with it all over again uh, and was a very happy man. So finally, it came back at that
1: point. One day it shall come back, and it did. <laughs> cool. Uh, should we crack on with unpopular opinions then, Chris? Yeah, sure,
0: sure. We can do that. Can do that.
1: Great. So what? the first thing you wanted to talk about was about story length. Like, put it in your own words for me.
0: Yeah, oh, okay, so this is an interesting thing that I think is a def- really defining aspect of Doctor Who fandom that really gets on my nerves a bit. <laughs> and I, lo- I, <laughs> love, I love Doctor Who, and I'm, and I'm guilty of these things as well. Uh, I think that Doctor Who fans have an obsession with size and with mm. and quantity, uh, and uh, I don't know if... It, 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 if 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 it's this idea of, be, of of being bigger on the inside that we want everything to be as big as the TARDIS, uh, but I, but but for me this goes for lots of different things in Doctor Who. When actually I would much rather sometimes something was smaller and better than just mm. bigger and longer for the sake of being bigger and longer. And I'm aware of the innuendo uh, that I'm talking about. Now. <laughs>
1: um, I feel like this about songs. I feel yeah. like songs have got too long. You listen to songs from the '60s and '70s, and they're and they're two two minutes long, and that's that's enough for me.
0: Two yeah. verses
1: and, and a cor- and a couple of choruses, fine. Nowadays they tend to be four minutes long. It's too long.
0: Absolutely. So a good example of this came to me on Twitter the other day that we're I'm producing a, a feature length Doctor Who doc at the moment for an upcoming right. set and I was saying to people that the rough cut, I was just teasing, I was just be, being a troll on a tease and, and saying that the rough cut is about, excuse me, that the rough cut is about 87 minutes, I think I said at that point, and then a couple of days later I'd cut it down to 82 minutes, and I can guarantee you every one of those cuts made it a better programme, made it a more focused,
1: pacey, sure, sure.
0: punchy, punchy programme, and a less confusing programme, And that, so they had to happen. Uh, but the immediate response was, oh, don't don't make it shorter. Can't you put more in? Can't you give us the... Under- <laughs> Can't you give us the and and it really struck me that it's a defining characteristic. That, and I think it goes back to that paranoia that Doctor Who fans have that something... It's going to be taken away from them somehow.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It's uh-huh. We're not going to have it anymore. And so we're very protective over everything we can get. So when... You know, when when they announced that *Trial of the Time Lord* was 14 episodes instead of the the 22 or however many that did, no, uh, like like 28 or so the previous year, uh, *Doctor Who* fandom was up in arms. You know, was 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 crazy mad about the shorter season happening. When *Doctor Who* came back and it was 45 minutes, and people would watch *Rose* and say, "Oh, well, it's just a bit short, isn't it? Can't we? You know, it felt a bit of a rush. Can't we have?" can't everything be a 2 parter can't everything be longer you know i i just i really feel strongly that it was amazing when rose was 45 minutes long because it had that insane energy to it that kind of swept you along with it and and i think uh, i think we need to stop worrying about the number of things we have and start focusing on how wonderful the things we get on you know i think that's the obsession that we have and 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 i think part of it comes from how we've kind of grown up, how we've grown up as fans. That we always hear about these kind of epics. We're kind of brought. We're kind of we grow up hearing about how the Daleks' Master Plan is this epic, and the War Games mm. is this epic. And I love Daleks' Master Plan, and I love War Games. But Daleks' Master Plan would be a much better. Like if dark's Master Plan was eight episodes long, they would be the best eight episodes of Doctor Who. If well, the War Games was six episodes long, it would be like one of the you know the in the top five of stories ever and and you can't escape the padding of those and i you know i'm
1: you you can't i've said on this show a lot of times that that i believe there are only two stories that i've seen in doctor who in the whole of doctor who that that warrant their six parts Hmm. and they're the enemy of the world and power of the daleks and no other story that i've seen and there are lots of other six part stories and they could all be whittled down to four in my opinion there's no need for any other story to have six parts
0: yeah, I think I think the only other ones that stand up for me are uh, I certainly um, I have such a soft spot for things like Inferno and and, and I, I would it would pain me to cut Inferno down and things like Seeds of Doom and and, and...
1: is that kind of your own sentimentality though? Do you, are you <laughs> able to admit that if you were if you were to cut them down, they would they would maybe be a bit pacier and a bit better? Uh, I, Inferno I... Inferno does drag in places. There's a lot of mucking about with the scientist in that in that lab.
0: I, I, uh, I th- the thing is, if you had to cut Inferno by an episode, you definitely could. You know, if you if you if, if you know if, if it was a writing challenge, then you definitely could. Inferno kind of gets away with it for me because it invents the parallel universe storyline to to make it to, to seven episodes. Yeah, so-
1: I mean that's what Enemy of the World does as well. Is that it kind of it kind of ve- it does the Stephen Moffat thing of, of veering off in another direction halfway through. And I think that's the only real way that you can really get away with such a long story i mean the war games i suppose does a similar thing
0: yeah Uh, i I thought it was really interesting with enemy uh when it came back that i think you're right i think because enemy is so schizophrenic and mad and every episode is different a bit like i really enjoy the keys of marinus it might not be the best thing ever but at least every episode gives you something different and when enemy came back alongside webb I thought that Web, I, I mean, Web is amazingly directed. It looks beautiful. It's got a great cast. It's got a great story setup. Mm. But I think I think Web kind of really loses its way, like script-wise. I think that it it starts to ramble and repeat itself, and it's a script problem. But again, if Web was four episodes long, they would be the best four episodes, of, you know, of that era. And it was, and so I, I think it's always that frustration. And I think. Yeah, we're brought up to believe that kind of bigger is better, that that something being 12 episodes long or 13, you know, with Mission to the Unknown, that that automatically makes it great. And I just listened thinking, oh, I just wish this was, I wish the writer had been allowed to deliver something a bit shorter, you know, so. Yeah.
1: Do you think there's sometimes a sort of snobbishness in, in fan circles about pace and about, the, 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 I think, I feel like there's an idea that if you, um, prefer the way New Who th- does things with the forty-five minute episodes, then you are a sort of impatient and unable to hack the the slow pace of, of classic Doctor Who. And I th- um, yeah. it's like I I am able to hack the slow pace. I just don't always think it's the right choice for a, for a story. I don't know. Yeah. I,
0: well, I think the really, the really awful, there was an awful thing. I mean, and I know that you interviewed Crystal recently. And yes. I think yeah. Crystal who had made some kind of throwaway quote about watching Doctor Who on one point yeah, so five. This
1: this was in the Time Team article where she, she yeah. talked about yeah watching it at one point five uh, speed and it's never been it's never been forgotten by some Doctor Who fans. Yeah. Oh,
0: and and I thought that was so cruel, you know, that people would really latch onto that as because it became something to bash new fans with. And there's nothing mm. wrong with any fan of any age thinking that seven parter would be a better five parter. There's no problem with anybody having that critical resource to say, "This yeah. is powerful. I recognise this bit as repetitive." Yeah, it's
1: just like admit the mutants is boring. You know, <laughs> it's all right. You're allowed to find the mutants boring. You know, I mean, we're we're, we're
0: allowed to find to all find it a different thing. You know, and and, yeah, and, and that fandom, fandom gets really frustrating is when we all have to feel a certain way, and we don't. But but I think I think uh, it's it's always it's always frustrating me really that we can't be more embracing of something being short and sweet. And I think it's lovely when the show starts to realise as it goes on, you know. And it's kind of Hinchcliffe really who realises, let's do a six-parter at the end of the season. Let's do mm-hmm. uh, a Talons or Seeds of Doom as a finale, but four-parter. Is going to suit us much better, and then JNT going to goes. Just works set- better
1: structurally, really.
0: Yeah, com- yeah, completely. And and JNT, you know, brings back the two-parter, invests more in the three-parter. Those are all good shapes for Doctor Who. It, you Absolutely. know, like, if if Silver Nemesis was twelve parts long, it would not make it any better. <laughs> it would not. It would not improve the experience of watching Silver mm. Nemesis. And, and so when Doctor Who came back, and was forty-five minutes, and you get something like The Unquiet Dead where the clip, the episode one cliffhanger is kind of famously at, at the end of the of the of the pre-titles yeah you think well oh, this is great we can get on with the fun stuff you know we can we can get straight into it it's uh, a
1: much more efficient way of telling that story i think with something like yeah. the unquiet Dead.
0: that's um, it I mean, if, if your story benefits then play it long you know if, yeah. if, if that's a good thing for the story it should be that length. but it shouldn't have to be that length it shouldn't it shouldn't be forced into that length. It's not, and uh, you know, we, we, we were so used to getting those massive, colossal series in the sixties of kind of forty odd episodes. But if if it had been shorter, Pat Trouton might have stayed for a fourth season. You know, we might not have broken him and worn him out to such mm. an extent that he didn't mm. want to come back for a fourth season. So, uh, you know, I resent it for losing us Pat. You know, on that level. Uh, but uh, but but no, it's weird. When when the new series did get more two-parters. I don't know if they always worked. You know, when when we Was it season season nine, isn't it? That yeah, like-
1: see, yeah, series nine with the, that has the series of two-parters, uh, but besides one or two episodes, yeah. And
0: I don't know if that was. You know, there's some good stuff in that series, but I I don't know if the two-parter thing helped. <laughs> you know, particularly I I think that there, there have been great two-parters since it came back, but I don't think making them two parts long automatically makes them better. I think they're just as just as fallible <laughs> as as a one-parter really. So it's, no,
1: well. Well, the best the best two-parters in New Who take the story somewhere completely different in in part two, yeah. and it's it, yes. it's something Moffat invented really, but the uh, D- Davies did it a bit. But the, the the two-parters that don't work are the ones that just get a forty-five minute story and stretch it. You know, something like um, the Rebel. F- oh, I suppose the Rebel Flesh introduces your Ganga Doctor, but it 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 kind of feels like one story stretched out over two, or a lot of the ones that are just vehicles for the monster. Like, um, like the Santaran stratagem or um, yeah. Daleks in Manhattan that that just feel like well that could easily have been a forty five minute story and and you've only really stretched it into two because you've got your uh, your famous monster in there or you've got some other feature of the episode that, that where you feel like it deserves to for for whatever reason yeah,
0: completely and you write those ones that go off on a tangent like like kind of silence in the library. Has such an interesting episode too, compared oh, to the yeah. It has, a, has a lovely second part,
1: and and a lot both of parts actually. of that are so interesting in in their own way, aren't they? And, yeah. and you you so don't expect part two to start. with... I'll tell you what, so I tell what. some I can't remember who I saw tweeting this. I saw this in my timeline the other day, and they were talking about the impossible astronaut, Day of the Moon. Yeah. And uh, they were talking about the the cliffhanger to that, and they said that the the opening of Day of the Moon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was was like the worst resolution to a cliffhanger ever because they, because it's three months later. And I yeah. just looked at it and I thought, I could, I've never disagreed with a st- statement more than that. I think that's such a brilliant way of resolving a cliffhanger because yeah. a, a lot of cliffhangers in, in Classic coup, because you're having to have a cliffhanger every week, they're often sort of cop-out or, or fake-out resolutions. Whereas what you can do in a story like Day of the Moon is you can... Is you can totally subvert what your audience is expecting if you and you say three months later that is the that is the last thing the audience expect when they tune in after the cliffhanger at the end of the first part. I don't know what what you. No, no
0: I I I think I think you're right in that case. I think I think it makes it bigger as well. It kind of yeah. makes the story on you know the idea that, that they've <laughs> that they've actually slept since the story began mm, you know that mm. it hasn't all happened in one day and they've had to eat and sleep and and travel and it, it 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 makes it bigger and i don't see how that's different to like an avengers endgame when they go five years later at the beginning and the
1: whole audience yeah, yeah.
0: With, kind of gasped you know at the at the audacity of. i think it's the same gag but moffat got there first you know it's it's a yeah. really-
1: well actually davies uh, i suppose got there first with um with last of the time lords when that's a year later and that you were like whoa actually that's I, yeah I, that's I, the most astonishing I, one
0: I can beat this because I think last of the time lords Nix it from Battlestar Galactica doesn't it there's a in, Oh I
1: don't I don't know Battlestar Galactica at, at all so you're going to have to explain
0: there's uh, a really interesting yeah. and I think Russell has talked about this I think but there's a really interesting episode of that when, when 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 the goodies lose and 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 instead of instead of fixing it it says kind of one year later and everybody's completely uh is 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 kind of completely broken and 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 everybody's been captured and it's horrible right and, and it's right. a really, it's a lovely device because it just lets you kind of shift everything, doesn't it? The whole world changes. Uh, and and exactly in the, in the way that Last of the Time Lords felt really fun and exciting to, to see that.
1: I think that's... Yeah, I mean, even something like Return of the Jedi, you know, where where yeah. Empire's tracks back, you've ended in, the, 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 or you're good character in a state of disrepair, and then you come in, your last place you really expect that movie to begin is at Jabba's Palace. You don't expect that sort of environment. You expect to pick up where you left off, and, and you just can't. Yeah, it, it, it would always be disappointing, I think, in situations like that, to pick up where you left off. Um,
0: and, and, and yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's absolutely right. And I think when Jodie's first season was announced, and what was it? It was 10 episodes, wasn't it, the first one?
1: Yeah, 10. How long were they? Are they 50 minutes or 55? I think they are 50 yeah. minutes, weren't they?
0: Yeah, yeah, they were a bit longer. And, and everybody got really pissy about it being 10 episodes. And I thought, well, if they're 10 good episodes, you know... and.
1: In yeah.
0: reality, you know, I, you know, I like a lot of fans. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to enjoy it more than I did, and I, and I will still be on sure. board. When it comes back, and I want it to be great, and I will be cheering for it. Mm. But I don't blame it for being 10 episodes long. I think that's perfectly reasonable, and we shouldn't be getting angry and entitled about the fact that we've lost in inverted commas. You know, three episodes. I just, I just think it's us being really weird, and we need to chill out.
1: Of it. Thirteen episodes was always a lot of episodes, especially with the the kind of budget that Doctor Who needs to have. I mean, a lot of a lot of series just have six. Mm. It was it was always a lot. Yeah. I don't think we were uh, ever able to expect that forever. You
0: know, and I think I think I like everybody. I'd love to see the show continue. But I think we should all feel a bit more relaxed about these things these days. I think the fact fact that it did come back and it's been great and and it continues to be a a big massive show, you know. I think I think we should we just we've earned the right to relax a bit and to chill out about it and not to get so so funny about things like am I getting enough episodes? Are they long enough? Is the season exactly when I want it every year that I want it? I just think we we need to learn to relax a
1: bit more. Yeah, and like, things just do come back now. Do you know what I mean? I, even if they did decide to give Doctor Who a rest, it it, it would come back because you can see from s- even s- from the 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 commercial demand of something like the Blu-ray collection, there uh. there's an audience for for the show, and it it's not really going to go anywhere for any extended period of time because nothing does anymore. Uh, everything gets a reboot or a revamp or a reimagining. Um, so I, yeah, I'm not worried at all.
0: No, I, I, th- I think I think Russell T Davies said it, didn't he? When it when it had come back and been a hit, he said, "Now it, it is the show that comes back." You know, it's like Sherlock Holmes or Tarzan or James. Mm-hmm. It will always come back, and I and I think that I think he's right, and I think that's such a for a fan like me, like a lot of fans, but for a fan like me who was who 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 just as I was falling in love with the show, it was cancelled, and when I fell in love with it again in '96, it didn't come back you know i can relax now because it will come back it will it will keep coming back and it will be for the best of the show if it ever takes a break again i'm sure it will be it will be something that makes it better when it does come back because I, I i'd love to have thought that a continuing doctor who through the 90s would have led to something as good as the show was in 2005 but i don't know if it would have i think we could have ended up like bugs or crime traveler along the way and i just i just think the gap benefited the show and made it a better show
1: yeah i mean i think the doctor i don't know doctor who may have survived through the 90s but i don't i don't know if it would have been the show that i love you know it, i think it would have become more of a cult thing um which is not necessarily the doctor who that i always enjoy And then,
0: uh, let me just the, the 90s were obsessed with that idea of cult you know the, yeah. the, At that point, Doctor Who stopped being a science fiction program. It became a cult program. And it's like the most damaging tag you can have because it means small, doesn't it? It means
1: it it literally, yeah, by definition, means that only a select few are interested in it.
0: Yeah, and Doctor Who's at its best when it's there for as many people as it can be. You know, when it's there for the broadest audience that it can. I think Mm. as soon as we start to go more niche, I know this is contradicting what I've said about the the purpose of the Blu-rays, but the show itself should be for everybody.
1: Definitely. But that, but that's the thing. It can, it can have that niche, can't it? I mean, I I, I talked about that. I don't know whether it ended up, up in the final cut of the episode actually, but I talked about this in my interview with Crystal D about that the everything in, in um, fandom has its purpose, everything, in, not in fandom, but in, in, in Doctor Who has its audience and has its purpose. And uh, you know, the, there are, there's a certain kind of fan that's, that's whether the the Blu-rays are appealing to them, there's a certain kind of fan that that see the Facebook memes, and that's that and that's uh, appealing to yeah. their love of the show. There's a you know, it, it, not everything is for every kind of fan.
0: No, and and I think the other harmful thing is when we start to, I know I've set, used the words proper fan a couple of times, and that's a down da- that's a dangerous term, because you know at the point when I started being being more involved as a fan in the mid nineties, if I'd met an old fan who'd seen every episode, they would have scoffed at me, you know, cause I don't mm. seen about, about 20 episodes and it was much harder uh, to get hold of those episodes. Cause they weren't, you know, I, 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 it would depend on my, on my pocket money to be able to buy VHS and they weren't on telly anywhere that I could get them. Uh, and, and it would have been so easy f- for me at that stage to be seen as not a proper fan. But I think we have to acknowledge, I think we need to be, encouraging and embracing to that and just saying, look, it's great if you like this show, you know, we that's what we always wanted, isn't it? That's what we, when it was canceled, that's what we wanted people to like it. And now they, and, and they do, you know, and 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 maybe, you know, there's a high around the Tenant era of when the show was uh, just a, a genuinely, a cultural phenomenon at that time, like mm-hmm. Darkmania was in the sixties or, or early Tom Baker, you know, it was just massive. Um, yeah, well,
1: I think Tennant is the is the Tom Baker of of New Who, yeah. without a doubt. He's, he's the Doctor. If you ask a, a a random person in the street to name an actor who's played the Doctor, they'll go for. If they're a younger person, they'll go for David Tennant, and if they're older person, they'll go for Tom Baker. Yeah, um, definitely. I think definitely. yeah,
0: and I think that's great. I think that's wonderful that that you that you can see the you can see the generations in that. You know, you can see the different mm. experiences. And 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 I was a huge Tennant fan. I remember watching tooth and claw when it went out and that and and having not quite 100% been entirely on board with him up until that right right i remember thinking that he didn't just didn't get a chance in christmas invasion because it's more about rose and everything and then that's
1: the genius of christmas invasion though really isn't it that's
0: the yeah Yeah, it's really interesting to give it a different perspective but you don't get to know what he's going to be like and then he's he's possessed or controlled in new earth and then it was that it's that scene in the library in tooth and claw when he's like oh my head my head oh it's so full of stuff and 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 i, I remember thinking that, that you are absolutely the doctor and that mm. well, long may you reign and that you know he was
1: fantastic yeah it's funny isn't it how doctors um have, have kind of different effects on us over time because I I would have always said that that Christopher Equiston was my favourite Doctor Who for, for years and years and and now I go with Matt Smith and Matt Smith is the kind of Doctor Who, it, I remember when when the eleventh hour was on for the first <coughs> time and to me he was just a, a sort of man doing David David Tennant impression you know as a as a as a tw- twelve or thirteen year old or how old I was then just looking at it thinking no this guy's just doing a David Tennant impression and then as time goes on, he's less and less like David Tennant in my mind and he's aged, he's really aged like a fine wine, Matt Smith. You go back and there's so much, uh, many more things to notice in his performance. I just think he, he was so wonderful in that role. No. Whereas Tennant, I, Tennant, I think I, there's less to discover about him, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I I, I, th- I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of both of them. I think, I think it's a very, Matt Smith has such a hard job, you know, it's such an impossible job to come in and take over and the fact that mm. he was he was a younger man. Immediately made people think, well, it's just the same thing again. And it's amazing that he's not the same thing again. You know, it's yeah, amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: And I, I, I'm generally more of a fan of the of Russell's era mm. in terms of the stories than I am of of Stevens. I I I've, I love a lot in both of them. You know, but I think I think Smith. It's it's interesting that he's still the only doctor who's ever been nominated for a BAFTA for the role, isn't he, for for season five. There's never,
1: yeah. I wasn't aware of that fact, actually. Yeah,
0: he's the only one, and it was only his first season. But, but that's, I think, says something about the fact that it was a proper, it was a full performance that he brought to bear in season five and in a very challenging situation. So you've got to admire that. that So so brilliant.
1: I mean, mean, Capaldi took even longer for me. To be fair, like at the time, I remember thinking, I'm not sure about him. Like, I'd really enjoyed him in the thick of it, and I I couldn't get used to him in Doctor Who, and I wasn't sure about the direction of the character. And as time goes on, I like Capaldi. My, I remember about f- about two years ago, I made a list of like my, you know, my ranking of the Doctor Who's, and Capaldi was at about number seven or something. He was really quite low on the list. And as time goes on, I watch his episodes again, and I just and again, it's like it's like Matt. There's just more and more. So I'm I'm hoping that's what's going to happen to me with Whitaker. Like I've still got my hopes out that I can uh, I'm gonna in three or four years time be able to go back and watch some of Whitaker's stuff and. And there'll yeah. be layers of, of things to notice that I didn't notice the first time. Let's hope so.
0: I think I think again, it's it's removing that pressure of it being the of it being the new stuff.
1: The, yeah, you're what you're watching her every move. You know, I remember a woman who fell to earth. I was watching every you know minuscule gesture that she performed because I was like, is that like Doctor Who? Is that like Doctor Who? Is that? <laughs> I mean, probably. And I'll hold my hands up. Probably her gender played a part in that because I, I'm I was I was even more looking for the Doctor Whoishness you know, beneath the actor. And, uh, it's a lot of pressure to put on a performance really.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it'll be really interesting next year. Cause I, th- I think they've, I get the impression that they've, that, that they're listening to people and that they're, I hope so. Yeah. It's taking stock a little bit, you know, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, I, th- I, th- I, think, I think they absolutely have the, the you know, the, 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 they're allowed to do that and they, and they, sh- and they should do that if they want to do that. Uh, but I, th- I, I can, I even thought with resolution, at, at new year that that it felt like a, a reaction you know it felt like they'd like 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 they'd shot that slightly later and that maybe they'd thought we need to put a bit more of a rocket into this and and make it a, as exciting as we can as well as as interesting as it is in, in other ways you know to try and and energize it so you know i think i think it'd be fascinating when it comes back and i don't mind there being a gap you know i, I really i don't want to get antsy about that kind of thing because uh, I, think, I think hopefully the gap will be a, a benefit to them.
1: I hope. Yeah, I had, a, I had a message on Twitter the other day from a, a person, a uh, reply on Twitter. Um, and if you're listening, I'm, I'm not having a go at you. But <laughs> they were saying, are you going to make it, uh, an episode of your podcast about the gap? And I was like, well, no, <laughs> why could I do that? And he's saying, well, a lot of us fans, we're not very happy about the gap, and <laughs> rumors in Cardiff are saying there's going to be another gap. And I, well, I mean, firstly, what could I possibly say about that for an hour? <laughs> you know? And secondly, I might cut this stuff. But secondly, why, you know, there's no, this, I guess it boils down to the thing we, that we're actually supposed to be talking about, which is there's no need for the negativity about about quantity of Doctor Who, just like, have the doctor who that you're getting you know don't don't worry about it
0: there's a really interesting example of this that uh when i was growing up i'd always hear about the hiatus in in 1985 you know Mm. the show was cancelled and everything was awful and there there were there were newspaper articles and there were kind of campaigns and they released doctor in distress which is horrific in its own way and and all this (laughs) stuff went and 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 even when you watch the news broadcasts from the time of the announcement, they're not saying Doctor Who's canceled. They're not no. saying doctor who's gone. They're saying it's taking a pause of 18 months or so and 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 so it, when I realized that I thought, well my God, did we really make that much of a fuss you know because it wasn't we weren't going to be able to watch it like we normally do. Well we're we really not prepared to wait a little bit longer and yeah, you know yeah. I, just, I just think it's that same mentality is uh, you know brought to bear when matt smith when his season started being split into two people mm-hmm. got very annoyed and 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 with jody with being a gap or with or with P- with david having like a season of specials people got so funny about it and you think it's okay we've got if, if you feel like you're missing something go back and watch like the aztecs or go back and watch Carnival of monsters or whatever you know and and you've got you've got you got 55 or so
1: years uh, 56 yeah, it's, it's years it's literally ago. the longest-running sci-fi show ever. So you've got you've got such a, uh, a plethora of stories to yeah. Come and watch. Yeah, get um, some big finishes.
0: You know, read uh, read some missing adventures from the nineties. You know, there, there, yeah. there's so much that we haven't experienced. You know, that, that we could do. So relax. You know, that's all. That's all
1: yeah. I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I I put out a tweet. When the new season of Game, of Game of Thrones was just about to start, now I don't watch Game of Thrones, but there's obviously a lot of um, hype just before that final season aired about how's the se- how's Game of Thrones going to end? How are they going to wrap things up? de blah, blah, and I put out this tweet that said something about you know imagine just knowing that your show was going to end, you know being a Game of Thrones fan and that show just has an ending and there's never going to be any more Game of Thrones and it's done, you know and most shows are like that, like we're we're lucky in a way, you know most shows have their seasons and then they're done and everybody's fine with that and they can watch it again in a few years and and enjoy those experiences again but they they don't need more and more and more and more and more, and and we do and I think part of it is because of the format of Doctor Who where it lends itself to being a never ending story and I'm happy it's a never ending story but also it being a never ending story means that we can relax, we don't need to dread it ending because it's not going to end, it's always going to continue in some form
0: I think I think exactly. I think we had reason to be paranoid in the past, and now we don't. And you know, mm. it, it would be so it would be so weird, wouldn't it, if they did actually come out and say, okay, this year it's going to end definitively. You know, and I guess the nearest we've come is you could have ended it after Dare the Doctor, couldn't you? You could have you could have said it's 50 years. This is a massive episode. We're going to bring all the Doctors back together and all the stuff you didn't know, and then. Oh, but-
1: yeah, I mean that—that's the story though that makes the—the makes Doctor Who infinite more than any other. I'm—I'm I'm nicking this from Elizabeth Sanderford but she has this essay about um, Tom Baker appearing in that makes the story infinite because you know there's now a situation where there is a future incarnation of the Doctor played by Tom Baker, but that—that that can never happen. So by definition, Doctor Who is now infinite. You know
0: yeah yeah well we have the valiard to, uh, to thank for that as well we can kind of think oh,
1: oh, yes it true. has to keep going because we haven't had the valiard yet got so it, valiard coming up yeah it, it must come up at some point michael jason i'm sure would be very happy we've got the, the the nick briggs doctor from the 90s yes. comic strip as well we've got him to worry about yeah. and, the, and the merlin doctor
0: i i i'd really love to see them do something with the merlin doctor i'm amazed i can only presume they'd need it to be to be ben Aronovich. To to do it. That's the only reason that Big Finish haven't done something with the Merlin Doctor.
1: Yes, I that, suppose so. And he's a he's a busy man these days, Ben Aronovich, isn't he? A
0: busy man, he's a busy man. But I, I'd love to see. And I, and I was very much of the generation I thought Battlefield was awesome when I first saw it. Mm. And, and, mm. and I didn't notice that the direction's a bit patchy, but you know. But where, as a kid, I thought the ideas in this are amazing. And that and that should be the most important
1: thing. I Who think Who would we, you cast as your Merlin Doctor?
0: Oh, oh, that's a good question. Oh, I don't know. Uh, it depends how I, they don't really say how old Merlin is, do they? Whether it's to be a younger it, Merlin or an old old fellow Merlin.
1: I know that in the novelisation they say that he's ginger. Do they? Yeah. Oh, could you have? Could you have? Uh, I can never pronounce his the name. Then could you have Dom Gleeson? He was the name I was going to suggest. Yeah, I think he'd be brilliant as the Doctor.
0: He'd be a great doctory type, anyway, wouldn't yeah,
1: he? Yeah. Ooh,
0: I don't think he'd do. It, I don't think he'd do it necessarily, but he, he would be. He would be wonderful uh and i would definitely sign up to that but
1: uh yeah he's the sort of actor that might do a, a bit rolling maybe he's too big in for that now he does a lot of hollywood stuff doesn't he
0: i think he'd do a bit roll. i think he'd do a bit well yeah, role. yeah. Uh, his dad hasn't done a doctor who has he Um uh, brendan,
1: brendan gleason no he hasn't no but again he's uh, the sort of actor that would do a bit role isn't he
0: i wonder if they'd be a bit like brian cox and in mckellen that they would do a, a voice part but they wouldn't you know, but but they might not be bothered to come and do kind of I'm on set for six weeks kind of part. You know, they just come and do it. But then John Hurt did it. So if John Hurt does it, then anybody could do it, really.
1: Yeah, Kylie Minogue did it.
0: Kylie Minogue did it. Yeah. See, I I still really I part of me uh found Voyage of the Damned. This is going to uh, this is probably a bad thing. So I I I'd never enjoyed a Christmas special as much as Voyage of the Damned because it kind of knew exactly what it was. It kind of thought, I,
1: I'm... I mean, it's gonna... paper thin, isn't it, Voyage of the daft <laughs> Paper thin, but it kind of knows you've had
0: um, a couple of glasses of wine, you've had a big lunch, you're mm-hmm. there with your yeah. nan, and I think I I, lo- I loved how trashy and eager to please, I think, Voyage of the Down was. So I, I've, I'm always keen yeah. to it if people are a bit sniffy about it, because I just think it's really fun and daft and silly.
1: And that's well, it. the Christmas specials are in two sort of camps anyway, aren't they? There's, the, there's the Christmas specials like that that are totally... You've had a few glasses of wine. You're you're sitting with your family. It's it's paper thin. And then there's the other ones like Time of the Doctor and uh, Twice Upon a Time. And usually the regeneration ones, that yeah. the the more cerebral. Uh, you've got to be a fan to enjoy it, sort of ones, and
0: yeah. I don't think I'm entirely on board with the idea of Christmas episodes as regenerations. I kind of wish that Capaldi had regenerated oh at the end. God. of So do so I, and I like Twice it's Upon it's a Time. So I, I don't think it's
1: just, bad, but yeah. I think if if he that that line about what did he say about the stars, I've I'll forget the line now. But there's a line where he like where he lies down in the forest and he says something about the. I thought there'd be stars, he says. Yeah, and that would that's be, it, that's that would it. have been such a fantastic um, final line for his doctor, I think.
0: And then it's not. <laughs> and then it's I not. Know.
1: Well, it's, it was clearly written as his final line. I think, but yeah. you can feel that that was the moment where where Moffat wanted Peter to regenerate. Um, I, I think It's, it's how... a shame they keep going back in the TARDIS as well. They keep making the Doctor return to the TARDIS. It feels a bit like a conveyor belt. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I'd be a big fan of seeing a, kind of a bit more variety in that because I, 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 I quite, you know, I think I think the Eccleston's regeneration is fantastic, uh, and and if Capaldi had gone at the end of Doctor Falls, and I'm not, I don't love matt's regeneration and I, I i kind of i kind of half love david's but i i i still think uh Eccleston is probably the best the most emotional regeneration of the of the new series
1: since definitely i mean each each subsequent one has sort of tried to top that one because that that one sort of set the format for a new series regeneration of they do a they do a sentimental speech and then they stand up and fire comes out of their head <laughs> like he he and he, his it, his regeneration invents that format that then the, yeah. the subsequent yeah. ones try to follow.
0: It's great. And I remember being so excited that whole first season, but when the cliffhanger to bad wolf, when he completely flips it, he's like, now I'm coming to get you rose. I'm coming to get you. And mm. I, remember, I rewatched that about six times that week before. <laughs> I was so excited about And I thought it was such a clever twist to put the doctor on the, on, to, to 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 have him be aggressive in that moment you know to, to turn it on the Daleks i thought was so exciting so i'm i'm, I'm a big fan of you know I'm, I'm i'm there's a lot of stuff i've liked since but i've possibly never been more excited about dr who than i was in in series one in 2005 it was a very exciting time definitely
1: hugely hugely i mean i remember having a A post-it note by the side of my bed where i wrote the number of days until doctor who came back and then i would rip the post-it note off and i would write the next number of days like it was christmas yeah um and i've been excited about doctor who ever since but for a but for a slight dip in my teens when i was far too interested in woody allen films and and introspective (laughs) rock music um Cool. It's been lovely talking to you, Chris. Yeah, no, it's been I think lovely. We're good to wrap things up there, really. But um, yeah, but lovely talking to you. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm so I'm on Twitter, uh, and I'm I always forget this. I, I think I'm Chris Chapman eighty one is Great. my handle. On Twitter. So that is probably the best bet. And uh, you will hopefully people will get hold of season twenty
1: three. Uh, yeah. Well, I was about to say, is there anything you've made that we can look forward to?
0: Yeah. So um, the,
1: in the, future.
0: the most recent stuff was on season ten, where we did looking for many and keeping up with the Joneses, which mm. was fun. And then season twenty three, we've done three. We've done the Doctor Who cookbook revisited uh, with with Toby Haydock and, 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 and India Fisher from Master Chef doing the voiceover, which I was which we were really chuffed about. Uh, and we've done another episode in our writers room series on that. Which is looking back at the at the lost season twenty three, at the at the episodes that were scrapped from that. So we're kind of reuniting the writers to talk about that. And right. do another doc a new series called The Doctor's Table, which is a very, very silly uh, thing where we where we get the main cast Colin and uh, Bonnie and Nicola and Michael Jason together in a restaurant for a proper chin wag. And it's more kind oh, of like, nice. you know, them, you know, and their relationships and it's more yeah. I think it's quite interesting in a people-watchy kind of way.
1: That uh, sounds lovely.
0: Yeah, that was really fun. And, th- and then the, then we are making things for the next three or four box sets after that, uh, which I can't say anything about, really, other than the one after season 23 has our feature-length doc on, which we're just in the final stages of editing now, which, is, which might Great. be the one I'm most proud about, because it's just a really big, emotional, epic kind of story to tell. And we're trying to do it justice so that's our kind of so the season afterwards after 23 will be an interesting one i think
1: fantastic that's, that sounds also exciting and you've been directing country file
0: <laughs> yes yes i hope so no i mean the, the in theory my life should go 50-50 uh broadcast tv jobs and uh, and and doctor who work uh, yes. so i uh, so i'm I've done a lot of stuff for CBBC and other shows, but I've just been on Countryfile for the last couple of weeks as a director. Uh, and so, yeah, if you watch Countryfile uh, at the moment, it might well be be a, some, of, some of my stuff you see on that, which is great because it's, you know, getting to film uh, beautiful locations, beautiful farms and kind of countryside mm. places. And uh, I'm trying to sneak Doctor Who references in. I haven't succeeded yet. Well,
1: last year it was the thing that was on before Doctor Who, wasn't it, each night?
0: yeah that's right i guess yeah
1: yeah and and, and country farm, you know country farm goes out to about five six million people yeah it's it's, it's, viewing figures are huge crazy crazy
0: yeah Yeah. so i'm in a position where normally taxi drivers have never heard about the thing that i'm working on and at least i can say well country farm you know country farm and even if they hate it at least they at least they know it is so that's Mm. nice
1: that's cool great um Cool. and you can find us on Twitter that was a long interlude between the two Twitter addresses but you can find us on Twitter at GalacticYoyopod and you can email us um, at GalacticYoyopod at gmail.com uh, uh, don't know who I'm interviewing next time uh, but it'll be somebody uh, but in the meantime time it's a bye bye from me and,
0: uh, and it's bye bye from me as well I, I feel like the two Ronnies That's great <laughs> bye